You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. Take your Bibles and open it halfway. And you should be in the book of Psalms. Find chapter 121. It's great to see you here as we kick off this ministry year and the new theme, which by now you should have already understood, is what? Lift up your eyes. Just turn to your neighbor right now, make sure their eyes are open, and say to them, lift up your eyes. I don't know about you, uh, I'm playing hurt this morning. I have a cold, and so I sound a little weird. And uh, I have been told I make some strange noises from time to time and coughing and snorting and hacking. So let me just apologize up front for every weird sound I'm going to make. Because of those weird sounds, I was banished to the basement last night, kicked out of my bed so that Andrea could sleep. And so I slept in the basement, which means at five o'clock this morning when the alarm went off, I had to make an ascent up from the basement into the real world. And with each step, I realized how hard it was for my children who normally sleep in the basement to actually take steps up a, a, set, of, uh, a set of stairs on their way up. It was an ascent. Now, as we dive into the scripture here this morning, we're going to look at that word very quickly. Now, I, I'm going to warn you here. Um, there is a mistake that Bible veterans make when they read the Psalms. I want you to look at Psalm 121. On the countdown of three, I want you to tell me what the first two words of this Psalm are. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Wrong. The first two words of this Psalm are a song. Why did you skip the title? That's inspired too. God wrote the title to tell us what type of psalm we are reading. You understand the book of Psalms is a collection of 150 songs. These were the, this was the hymn book of the people of God, and these songs were the songs that they sang to one another to encourage one another to get their eyes off of created things onto the Creator. And they're very honest at times, talking about their trials and their hurts and even their doubts of God and their complaints against God. And so we've opened to a very particular section of the Psalms. It's actually 15 different songs from um, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And those, those Psalms are the songs of ascent. Did you see it there in the title? Songs of ascent. And I wanted to break that down for you this morning as we think about what it means to ascend. Why did God preserve the lyrics of these 15 songs for us to read in 2017 on our spiritual journey? Do you know what an ascent is? I actually looked up the dictionary definition. This is what it means. It is upward movement from a low place to a higher place. And that was a very real thing for people that lived in the Bible times in Israel. I discovered this when I actually went over there in 
uh, in April. You see, the land, the topography of Israel is the opposite of Indiana. Indiana is flat. Has anybody noticed that? It's very flat. Israel is the opposite. Everywhere you go, you cannot take a step in Israel without either ascending or descending. You are either headed up a hill or down a hill when you are in Israel. And so back in the day when these songs were written, they were written for a very specific purpose. They were written to keep people ascending, to, pe to keep people going. And when I was in Israel, everywhere we went, they put us on a nice air-conditioned bus, and the bus was on a nice paved road. As we went up the hills and down the hills, we ascended and we descended. But I couldn't help but think what life must have been like for the people of God living in ancient Israel. No roads, no hiking boots, no Nike sneakers. And so everywhere they went was difficult. It was hard. And the people of God had been invited by God to come to the place of worship, the place of feasting and the place of festival, the place where they would remind each other of, of the nature of God and the glory of God. And that all took place around Jerusalem, which sat on top of a mountain. You remember when we studied back in Genesis chapter 22, God told Abraham to go to Mount Moriah. And so he ascended up this mountain. Well, that's where the, the place of worship in Jerusalem was established. And so when the people of God were, were, it was time for their annual feast and it was time to gather together as the people of God to worship God, they had to begin an ascension from whatever low place they were in, whatever valley they typically lived in, they had to go up these hills. As a matter of fact, one of the places that we went was the Dead Sea in this region in, in near Jericho. It's, it's the lowest place on earth. And uh, that particular region is 1,300 feet below sea level. Now, 20 miles away, just 20 miles away, is Jerusalem, which sits 2,600 feet above sea level. So the 20-mile journey from the Dead Sea region to Jerusalem, you would ascend almost 4,000 feet without a bus, without asphalt, and without hiking boots or sneakers. And so you begin to understand the context in which this was written and how important these songs were. We're about to read a song of ascent. There's 15 of them. We're just going to look at this one here for the purposes of setting our theme. You can be sure that the people, when they were going on this journey, there were times where they wanted to quit. They wanted to turn around. They wanted to go home. I can't take another step. I've got blisters on my feet. I've turned my ankle. I've skinned my knee. This was a hard journey. But they kept going. Why? What motivated them to keep going? Because they wanted to get as close to the heart of God as they could. And they knew that in those days, that was in Jerusalem. Now, how many of you are grateful you do not live in ancient Israel? But you and I are still 
on a journey. As a matter of fact, understand why this psalm was preserved for us. It is because God designed my life to be an ascending journey. He wants me to ascend from wherever I am to a better place. Unfortunately, way too many people that call themselves Christians have stopped ascending. Maybe they've gotten satisfied with how far they've come. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got a track record of, of, of continuing to follow Jesus and it's been an upward journey and you can kind of look at your life and it's been an up and to the right journey. But maybe you're at a place of plateau right now. Let me ask you this. Which of these three words best describes your spiritual journey? Ascending, plateaued, or descending? Are you in a higher place today than you were 12 months ago? Are you in a lower place today than you were 12 months ago? Or are you at the same elevation? Listen, God designed my life to be an ever-ascending journey. No matter how far you've come, He wants you to take the next step. He wants you to get to the next place. And maybe there are some reasons that you've stopped. Understand that all of us may be in a different place here this morning. I've tried to think about different people and different conversations I've had with some of you as we've tried to disciple and pastor you and get you to a better place. Some of you here today are in a valley of sin. You have disobeyed God, you've ignored God's laws, and as a result of that, you are in a very low place. You feel very far from God, you may feel isolated from God, you may be isolated from other people, you may be even experiencing some of the judgment of God. If that's you and you're in a valley of sin this morning, God is inviting you to ascend out of that valley. He wants you to lift up your eyes and see a better place, a place of forgiveness, a place of cleansing, and a place of obedience and holiness. Lift up your eyes. Get out of that valley. Ascend this morning. Some of you are in a valley of apathy. Maybe you've been so low for so long, you don't even care anymore. I mean, you see other people on the journey, you kind of wave as they pass you by. Maybe you've been up the mountain before, but you're just kind of at a place, you're just like, ah, it's not worth it anymore. Listen, if you find yourself in a low place of apathy this morning, God is inviting you to ascend to a place of purpose and mission and significance on this journey. Some of you are in a place, a valley of doubt, and if you're here this morning, you're doubting the promises of God, you're doubting the presence of God, maybe somebody's whispered in your ear, you can't trust him and he's not real and he doesn't care, and you're beginning to, to doubt the promises of God. Listen, God is inviting you to the place of faith and confidence in his ability to get you to a better place. If you find yourself in the valley of exhaustion, maybe here, you're here this morning and you've been walking with Jesus for a long time because you're old. How many like me are on the other side of 50? And you're feeling like, is this ever going to end? I mean, I've been following him and I've scraped my knee and I've gotten back up. But you know what? It's time for some other people to ascend. And maybe I can just kind of point them up the hill. I, and, and you're just tired this morning. 
Listen, God wants you to know no matter how long your journey is, you should never stop taking your next step. He invites you to the place of renewed strength and refreshing in the delight and the presence of Jesus. Some of you find yourself in a valley of sorrow and pain. God invites you to the place of joy. God invites you to the place of delight in Christ. Some of you are in the low place of regret. And you've been hurt and you've sinned and now you're in a place of self-pity. Listen, God invites you to ascend to a place of love and grace and purpose and significance. Lift up your eyes. God designed my life to be an ever ascending journey. Get it? That's the word ascent. I just preached the title to you, okay? So let's dive into the psalm. You ready for that? Verse 1, it says, I lift up my eyes. I want you to underline the word eyes there. We're going to discover there's three significant words in this psalm. And if you can understand these three significant words, you are going to make great ascension in the coming year. The first one is that word eyes. I lift up my eyes to the hills. That's our second word. We're going to discover what those hills are. And then he says, from where does my help come? That's the third word, help. Now we're going to discover there's two kinds of eyes, there's two kinds of hills, and there's two kinds of help. And in order to understand how to lift up your eyes, we're going to have to unpack those, those three words there. First of all, let's, let's think about these, these eyes that we're talking about here, okay? Now there's two kinds of eyes. There's physical eyes. There's physical eyes, and you can see people. You can see what's going on around you. You can see how much money's left in your bank account. You can see what's on your doctor's report. Um, you can see your kids' grades or your grades or lack thereof. Um, you can see things with your physical eyes. God is inviting you to see with spiritual eyes something that you can't see with your physical eyes. You can't see God with your physical eyes. The Bible says that the God of this world, a God with a little g, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. If you can't see with spiritual eyes, understand, you're never going to be able to ascend from where you are to the place that God wants you to go. Spiritual eyes are a gift. And if you can't see anything beyond what you see physically or you refuse to believe there's even something to believe in that your eyes can't see, would you just ask this morning, God, would you give me spiritual eyes so that I can see beyond the craziness of this life? So there's two kinds of spiritual eyes. There's physical eyes and there's natural eyes. Now I want you, uh, there's physical eyes and there's spiritual eyes. I want you to see what we see with physical eyes because what you see with physical eyes is actually quite terrifying. Why do more people not make this journey? Understand this, the direction of my eyes will determine the destination of my life. Even if you're here this morning and you doubt the existence of God, do you understand everybody is going to end up somewhere? Your life is going to have a destination. And the direction of your eyes is going to determine the destination of your life. If your eyes are down on the things of this world, if you do not lift up your eyes, 
the destination of your life is not going to end up in a happy place. But if you can lift up your eyes to see beyond what you see physically, you're going to be in a better destination at the end of your life. So what stops people from ascending to the place that God wants them to be? Here it is. First of all, my ascent stops when I look at the height of the hills. My ascent stops when I look at the height of these hills. Now I want you to see it here. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? What kind of hills are they talking about? Well, of course, we were talking about the physical hills there in uh, in Israel, those represent insurmountable objects that you and I think we, there's no way we can get on the other side of those hills. And even if you were to ascend one and get to the other side, you would find that at the top of that hill, you're just looking at another set of hills on the other side. How many of you felt like, hey, I, I, I conquered Monday, but then Wednesday showed up? Anybody ever feel like that? Yeah, you got a hill on Monday and you thought you were doing great at the end of the day and then all of a sudden something else happened there. I, I, Andrea and I last week, um, we took some time to go see my mom in Oklahoma and took a little time off and we actually got uh, tickets to football game, University of Oklahoma. And so we had seats um, on the 40 yard line, but 62 rows up. And uh, Andrew and I, we've been working out. We just bounded right up those 62 steps and we sat down. But we were one of the first ones in the stadium. But then one of the, most, the, one of the best things that happened was actually watching people try to ascend 62 steps in the stadium after they had had a little too much to drink and, a little, and very out of shape. I mean, we had people leaning over on us, you know, we're like dragging people, helping them to get up the steps and everything. I mean, it, hills can stop you. Hills can seem insurmountable. And in a spiritual sense, you and I have faced many hills that seem like, I, I think I'm, I, I'm ready to go home. And, and if you've been stopped, maybe you've been stopped by one of these hills. First of all, the hill of fear. Anybody going to turn on the news this afternoon? What are you going to see? You're, you're going to see there's a hill um, called Hurricane Irma that is right now making landfall there in Florida. And if they ever finish the coverage of that, they'll probably go back to the coverage of what happened in Houston a couple of weeks ago with Hurricane Harvey. And if they have any time left over, they're probably going to tell us about what the crazy politicians are doing in Washington. And if they get any time after that, they'll tell us a little bit about the nuclear threat there in North Korea. And then we'll tell, you know, tell us about the racial violence in our country. I mean, it just never stops. Listen, if your eyes are focused on only what you can see, you will be terrified. And you will run in terror to the hills. Listen, don't let the terror of what you see with your physical eyes stop you in your journey, your ascension, to get to the place where God wants you to go. Here's another hill that stops us, the hill of temptation. If you're a Christian and you're trying to please the Lord, the world the flesh and the devil is going to throw everything it possibly can at you to get you to stop, turn around, and go home and quit trying to get to the place of holiness and purity in your life. And if you're going to get there, you've got to get your eyes off of the temptations that this world throws at you. If you've been feasting your eyes on impure images, lift up your 
eyes and see the beauty of Christ and the reward that is yours because you have lived a life that's pleasing to God. Lift up your eyes. Don't get stopped by the hill of temptation. Some of us get stopped by the hill of bitterness. The reality is there are so many of us that have been hurt, lied to, stolen from, neglected, abandoned, cheated on. And you're thinking of the person that did that to you right now. And it was at that point that you got hurt and you stopped ascending to the place God wanted you to go. And you're so focused on the anger and the bitterness and the revenge that you would want to get if you could, it has stopped your spiritual progress. It's a hill of bitterness in your life. Until you choose to trust that what happened to you was completely within the providence of, the, of a loving God. Until you thanked God for every person in every situation He has allowed into your life. Until you fully and freely forgive those that hurt you. You won't take your next step in following Christ. Some of you have been stopped by the hill of opposition. And the reality is you have decided at one point in your life, I will follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm going after it. Nothing can stop me. If he lived a life of surrender, so will I. If he came out of the grave, so will I. And that's real easy to sing on Sunday morning in a crowd full of friendlies. But then you head back to work and you head back to school and you realize that your stand for Jesus is not going to make you popular. You're not going to be well-liked. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be mislabeled. And you're like, I think I'm going to let somebody else stand for Jesus today. And I'm just going to kind of blend in or hide out. And it stopped your spiritual ascension. Lift up your eyes. Stop looking for the approval of men and look for the approval of God. Lift up your eyes beyond what you see in the hills of opposition and then the hill of unbelief. The world would want to convince you you can only believe in what you can see. And God says we live by faith, not by sight. Lift up your eyes. There is a whole world of spiritual truth that is available to those that can see beyond the hills. And so the psalmist says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And it terrified him. And so what the next thing he said? He says, um, let me ask a question. From where does my help come? Do you understand that God allows the hills to convince you that you need help? Will you admit you can't handle the hills on your own? Will you cry out and ask the same question? Where will I find some help in this journey? Well, that leads us to our second point. And it's good news. My ascent starts when I look to the hand of the helper. So I told you there's two kinds of eyes. What are they? Physical eyes and what? I told you there's two kinds of hills. There's hills of crisis. It's all those five things that we just saw. But then not only crisis, there are hills of success because some of you looked at that list of five things and you're like, I'm so glad I don't struggle with those. I mean, I know some people that do. They're so lame. 
But I've climbed those hills. I've conquered temptations and I'm not afraid of anything. And the problem with you is now you are facing a mountain of pride that thinks you can do it by yourself and you don't need God's help. That hill will keep you from ascending as well. If you are in that area, would you get your eyes off of yourself and your accomplishments and your achievement and your elevation and realize you need God's help as much today as you have ever needed it? No matter how far you've come, your next step in following Jesus is completely dependent upon his willingness to help you. So there's two kinds of hills, hills of success and hills of crisis. Both will stop you in your ascent. And then we said there's two kinds of help. There's created help and there's creator help. Look at it here in verse two. He asked the question, where does my help come? He answers his question. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so do you want the help of only created things? Or do you want the help of the one who created them? In reality, some of us just wish, if I could just find a friend, that I just, I'm so lonely. If I could just find the help of a friend, and some of you, when you get in trouble, you call some friends, you text some friends. Listen, friends are good. That's created help. Lift up your eyes beyond your friends. Some of you are single, and you're like, if I could just get... A help meet. I mean, I read the Bible and the Bible says God created Eve to help Adam. And if I could just, Lord, I just, can I get a little help? Just send me a wife. Now, a wife is a created thing and a, a wife is a wonderful helper. But you've got to lift up your eyes beyond even your marriage partner. Lift up your eyes beyond your marriage. Some of you say, if I could just get some, if I could just get an education. I mean, if I could just get enough money to pay tuition and, and get a degree and then I could get a job and God, I need a job. I've got an education. Just give me a job. A job's good. An education is good. That's created help. Lift up your eyes beyond your education, beyond your occupation. Others say, if I could just get enough money. Listen, if you had money, you wouldn't need God. Because you need things that money can't do. And as long as you've got money, why do you need God? Now that explains why you don't have money, doesn't it? Because God wants you to want his help more than money's help. And so many times God will dry up the money so that you'll cry out for his help. God's the one that created those hills to get you to understand you can't climb them on your own. Lift up your eyes beyond the hills. God wants to give you the help of the creator. So he says, look to the one who made heaven and earth. Help is available for everyone who will admit they need it. But some people are too proud to acknowledge you're helpless. All of your education, all of your friends, even your church, certainly not your pastor is enough to help you. When, when I was in, in high school, I'll give you a little image of me as a 17-year-old. Um, it's one of the greatest accomplishments of my life. My friend, Pate, and I won the humorous duet competition in the state of Oklahoma. 
In other words, we were the funniest two people in the whole state, okay? And the way we won that was we, we had a skit that we put together and we choreographed and we kind of wrote some of the lines there and then actually made a dumb skit funny. And, uh, and the, name of the, the name of the skit was This Man Needs Help. And um, my friend Pate played a psychiatrist who in his office waited for people to come who needed his advice and needed his help. And so I was the crazy guy that stepped into the office, but I was so crazy at the end of the skit, the doctor needed more help than I did, which is a perfect analogy to pastoral ministry because have you ever tried to help someone who didn't think they needed help? How many of you have tried to help someone that did not admit they needed help and yet it was so obvious? You, you are so helpless. And sometimes this is the job of a parent, right? We have, we have kids. They're, they're totally going to kill themselves within 24 hours if they don't listen to the helpful advice of a parent. And yet what do they do? They're dead. I mean, we have the funeral. It's over because they don't listen, right? And so, so often people are so arrogant to think, I don't need anybody's help. I got this. And listen, would you just acknowledge this morning, you are absolutely helpless to get to the place God wants you to go unless by his grace the one who made heaven and earth comes to your aid he's waiting on you to admit I'm helpless my help comes from the one who made heaven and earth. No amount of money, no amount of intellect, no marriage, no church can give me what I need. I am completely dependent upon the one who made all those things. Secondly, my help comes from the one who never gets tired. Are you a little tired this morning? Yeah. Do you know that the fatigue that you are feeling is actually a merciful gift to you from God? It is. Look at verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. See the word keep there? He uses it five times in this passage. He not only wants to, to bring you to a place, he wants to keep you there, and he's able to do it. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. A little sleepy this morning? It's a merciful gift to you from God. Think about it. God could have designed you never to get tired. God could have designed you never to need sleep. But the way that God created every human being in this room is after about 16 hours of being awake, God puts you to sleep. You run out of energy and you go unconscious for eight hours. During those eight hours, do you know what is happening? God is completely and thoroughly running the universe without you. <laughs> Why did God design you to go unconscious a third of your life? 
It's to convince you he doesn't need your help. Can I ask you, how well do you sleep? You say eight hours. (laughs) I haven't slept eight hours since I was 18 months old. Why is that? Do you have trouble falling asleep? You put your head on the pillow and it's like, oh, I got a bank account, oh, the kids, oh, the job, oh, I forgot to read my Bible, oh, got to go to church. Uh, And your mind doesn't shut off because you are trying to solve problems that are God's responsibility. They're too complex for you. He's trying to get you to go unconscious so he can work on those things without your help. My help comes from the one who never gets tired. God doesn't need your help. Relax. Close your eyes for eight hours. And then when you wake up, lift up your eyes to the understanding that God has everything under control. Lift up your eyes. My help comes from the one who never gets tired. My help comes from the one who keeps me safe. Again, going back to this word keep, look at it here at verse 5. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil He will keep your life. It's interesting there. It says the sun shall not strike you. When I was in Israel, uh, again, at the lowest places, it's the hottest place. We were there in April. It was 104 degrees in Jericho when I was there. And the sun can kill you in Israel. You're always looking for shade. You're always looking for a shield. Listen, there's things in this world that can burn you up and burn you down. And God says, I'm going to step in between the source of the heat and you to give you shade. And he promises he's going to keep you there. He will keep you from harm. The Bible says he will keep your life. Now, now wait a minute. Now what? There's some things that if I was to obey God, I might risk my life. True. The world's even got this figured out. It keeps showing up in lyrics of songs. Have you heard this phrase over and over in songs? Um, That which doesn't kill you, what? Makes you better. I mean, the world's kind of figured this thing out. It's like, oh, it's a great phrase. And so let's just keep going, you know. And we kind of have the idea that we'll be tough and we'll be rugged. Listen, that's self-help. What the Christian knows that the world doesn't know is this. Not only that which doesn't kill you makes you better. That which does kill you makes you perfect. So what? It kills you. You're upgraded into heaven. No more temptation. No more tired. No more sleep. Because you you have everything you need sufficiently to renew you every day. And so my help comes from the one who keeps me safe. And understand this, God not only keeps me safe, he keeps me saved. I need God to save me as much today as I did on the first day I trusted him for salvation. Because I still sin. He's still saving me from sin. And understand the process of sanctification never stops. He 
keeps me safe from harm. He keeps me safe from evil, the evil temptation that my heart so easily goes after. He keeps me safe. And then finally, my help comes from the one who keeps me going. Look at the last phrase. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. Do you see that? He will keep your going out and your coming in. Let me ask you an honest question. Be honest with me. Where do you need the most help? Where are the greatest hills in your journey? Are they on the inside of your home or on the outside of your home? Some of you are like, oh, man. Um, Man, it's just hard at home right now. Marriage is hard. Parenting's hard. There's temptations in there. I go home, it's just like, man, I'm a failure. That's, that, that's where I stop growing. If I could just stay over here at church in my small group, and I could just, I could just stay out in the way, I could go boating and fishing and hunting. I mean, that's where, the, that's easy. But when I go home, when I go in there, it's hard. That's where I need the help. As a matter of fact, I don't even think I want to go home anymore. I, I, I'm tired of being married. I'm tired of being a parent. I'm just going to stay out here. The Lord says he will keep your going in. You know what you need to hear this morning? Keep going in there. He will help you with the hills. He will keep your going in. Some of you are like, man, it's, it's not. I like to go home. That's, that's where it's easy. My, my, my job's awful. My boss is a grump. My, my, my work, it's no f- fulfilling, no satisfaction. As a matter of fact, I keep looking at what's going on in the world. I think I'm just going to go home and stay. I think I'm going to go down in the basement. I'm going to board up all the windows, and I'm just going to crawl in a hole and pray. I'll become a monk. I'll read my Bible, and I will pray. I'm never going out there again. What's that verse say? He will keep you going out. Keep going out. Keep going out. Keep ascending the hills. There is help in your going out, and there's help in your coming in. Listen, we said there's two kinds of eyes, physical eyes and spiritual eyes. Can I ask you, do you have spiritual eyes? Maybe this morning you need to ask God to give you spiritual eyes to see the help that is available. There's two kinds of hills. There's hills of crisis. There's hills of success. And no matter how far you've come, God wants you to take the next step. No matter how far away you are, no matter how low you are, God is inviting you to ascend. There's two kinds of help. There's created help. There's creator help. Have you ever gotten to the place when you understand that you don't just need God to kind of cheer you on? You don't just need to kind of lean on him. The problem is not that one of your legs has a limp. The problem is you're dead. God, in his grace, has to come get you. The story of the gospel is this. Before you could ascend, Jesus had to descend to where you are to become human like you. And that's what he did when he left heaven. He came to earth. He came to where we are to help us get to a place we were helpless to ascend until he came. And then at the end of his life, do you know what he did? He strapped that cross to his back, 
He ascended the hill of Mount Calvary where he died on that cross to help people who couldn't help themselves. That's the story of the Bible. That's the story. God does not help those who help themselves. God only helps those that are willing to admit they can't help themselves. Lift up your eyes. From where does my help come? From the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Don't get distracted. Would you just simply cry out for help right now? Would you admit to him? Lord, I I am terrified. My eyes are focused on the drama and the chaos of this world. Today, I want to lift my eyes to you. Some of you are so fixated on the approval, the attention, the acceptance of other people. That's where your eyes are. Would you tell the Lord, Lord, today I'm lifting up my eyes to you. I want your approval. Would you tell the Lord, I'm in a low place. I'm in a valley of exhaustion. I'm in a valley of bitterness. I'm in a valley of sorrow. I need your help, Lord. I feel like turning around. I feel like going home. I need your help. He invites you. Lift up your eyes. Father, today, we acknowledge how helpless we are. All of our intellect and our creativity and our ingenuity, all of our Bible knowledge, all of our church experience, our best attempts to love, our best attempts to to obey, they all fall short, and God, we feel like giving up. Pray that today we would find you as the great giver of help. Pray that each one of us would have eyes to see the reality of where we are, where you've called us to be. Be the lifter of our eyes this morning. We pray in Jesus' name.